African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV Channel 802 in the SADC region. And if you're listening to us internationally, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, this is a different program today. We're broadcasting outside the SABC studios today. We're right here at the 2018 Indigenous Knowledge Systems International Conference, which is underway here in Pretoria at the uh, Protea Fire and Ice Hotel where the Department of Science and Technology in partnership with the Northwest University is hosting this conference and uh, we just listened to the Minister of Science and Technology Mamoloko Kubai Ngubani speaking really around how do you actually make sure that you actually protect indigenous knowledge how do we make sure as society and even as a continent that we make sure that indigenous systems are actually taken and harnessed in the mainstream of African society. We actually have the minister in front of us here. Uh, post uh, uh, the Heritage Day yesterday, I think this conference is very, very relative and very much uh, uh, relevant. Thank you so much, Minister, for giving us your time. Thank you for uh, making this time for us to be able to talk to your listeners. Um, indeed, we are looking forward to this conversation and I think it's most um, suitable sure. yesterday after the Heritage Day mm. and indeed talking about indigenous knowledge system globally. So a listener could be listening and saying, what are we talking about when we're referring to indigenous knowledge systems? It sounds like a very complex phrase indeed, but it's actually a, a normal and everyday phrase. Could you elaborate on what we Yeah, actually, um, just to say to the listeners, firstly, um, a lot of us grew up in our families, especially in communities. I think almost everywhere, wherever they are, where you found, for example, you'd be ill and our grandmothers will go and find a plant, yeah. uh, mix it with something else, oh. it's whatever that they can mix and give you, whether you have flu, you have sores, you have that, and they can heal it and that's because all in digital knowledge this is a um, knowledge that sits with our communities sits with indigenous people in terms of our heritage and that is now put within science and that is mainstreamed that is being recognized to produce various products that we can find in our shelves a lot of people will know about moringa product it's one of the indigenous plants um, and moringa plant which is an indigenous, indigenous plant that we are able to produce various things out of it either it's tea moringa tea it's a moringa liquids that you can drink so that's that's quite a number of things and just to make an example a few examples that we can talk about indigenous knowledge so a lot of our communities might think that it's a complex it's what we grew up with sure. it's what happens within our communities others who believe in traditional healers go to traditional healers they baba sole in in sindu you know to look at them and then they give they prescribe a particular herb for them to be cured with sure. that's indigenous knowledge because not everybody will know which type of a herb can be able to heal not everybody because there's different if you take the wrong one you might end up being poisoned sure. and drinking it so you need people who has 
the, who have the knowledge to know this is a plant that I can use to heal the skin. This is a plant I can use to be that you can drink and then you heal, you know, for various areas. I mean, if you look at the stalls here, for example, mm. I mean, I saw a product out of Impep. Mm. A lot of people who grew up in KwaZulu-Natal, um, they know Impepo as something that would burn in their family, in their household as an insult. Um, others didn't know that you actually can produce products that today you are finding mm. for your skin, for your facials to use in your, in your own, um, you can find them in pharmaceutical um, outlets. Mm. So it's, it's what we are. So part of what we are doing as science and technology to be able to put all those things, support the people who have ind indigenous knowledge, mm. whether it's through plants, they, in terms of agro-processing, others we support them. We've got various SMMEs, we have various communities, so that firstly we protect it in registering, mm. so that no one steals the knowledge, their IP. It remains within South Africa, it remains within their communities, is protected. Secondly, we make sure that we give them the funds to be able to produce out of those plants, for example, various chemicals. We support them with working together with various universities because you extract the oils and then you produce something else. So that process, you find that some of our communities don't know how to commercialize some of this project or even package them properly and market them. So we help in that process to make sure that that process, um, whatever product they produce, everybody can feel comfortable to use it, even can be able to place it within outlets around the retail space and they can be able to get business out of it. Minister, you know, some people think because it's it's African culture that we think these are normal processes, this medication that is very informal, that you use different examples like our grandmothers getting us elu and putting it in water and that, that kind of thing. And, and the problem with that sometimes is that that informality sometimes is not taken seriously and indigenous knowledge can be sometimes seen as something peripheral to mainstream health, for instance. How do we make sure that indigenous communities start taking themselves seriously? Because I think there needs to be a shift in terms of how people are thinking in that regard. Not only the issue of them taking themselves seriously, because the threat is that somebody can walk into that community, mm. um, know about this, then take it and you see it tomorrow in other countries. Okay. And then somebody can register it with Global. Then we would have lost mm. that product as our own, mm. as in our indigenous plant and all that. Mm. So it's important for our communities to, yes, because this is our... our, our um, um, solutions that we have mm. we grew up you know mm. by our grandmothers where you just and sometimes they don't even transfer this knowledge to our grandmothers <laughs> you ask them they say no no i just miss several things mm. when you ask them because it's important for us to ask them to say but grandmother tell me how do you do it so that we can preserve that knowledge mm. and especially because when you mainstream it into the health system for example you find a lot of doctors today they'll tell you about things which are natural they would prefer natural herbs rather than the others you will find they say when you use certain tablets you over time they become addictive they become whereas when you go and use these herbs they are able to preserve yourself you can preserve yourself they're not doing damage i mean i've seen some of the skin products that are coming out of natural herbs are very good they preserve the skin they don't damage you don't have this thing that if you've used this product over time as you age 
herbs can get damaged because they are out of herbs. Some of the teas which do not have caffeine that are produced out of this natural herb. So it's very important in our communities and that's why as the Department of Science and Technology we've decided to mainstream this thing. We're talking to our communities, we're making sure that they understand uh, what needs to be done so that we register some of these things. And part of what we have done now is to have the bill passed by both by both houses of parliament now we're waiting for the president to sign and out of that bill one of the things that we are so strongly doing which is a new thing is to have practitioners in our communities these are people that are going to be registered legally recognized who will help us to say can move into the community and register people to say okay you have this thing let's go and take if it's not registered because we understand some of our people will not be able to access the information will not be able to know how to register the products, how to protect their indigenous knowledge. So we recognize we start in that process of practitioners in the communities. Second thing is to be able to have offices across the provinces, all nine provinces, where people will be able to go and register. So the practitioners will help our community say, okay, we found, you know, how to cure, um, let's say, for example, we saw one of our traditional leaders here saying they've got a product that, that helps to reduce your sugar diabetes where he's got an example of a person who was due for an operation to be amputated took the product so um drank it when they went their sugar diabetes have moved the sugar level was moved from 20 to 7 and they didn't didn't end up amputating so such things that's what we want because we have a lot of people with this knowledge of plants that can heal that are not even damaging our bodies but can preserve our bodies that we want the practitioners to help them register those knowledge so that we put them in the process but only not for themselves but help our nation mm. mainstream them and we'll be doing because we're working together with trade um, trade and industry we're working together with environment we're working together with agriculture department fisheries and forestry so that mainstream and, and and rural development we're looking at improving our working relationship with department of health because there are quite a number of products that are here that we want to see them certified to be used by our our doctors and our nurses in the clinics and what would be the verification process in terms let's say you have a product and making sure that it's actually good for the consumer that's what we do as the department we help them okay. with making sure that there is clinical trials okay, for example sure. we partner with various universities we have a center of indigenous knowledge that is mainly hosted in university of Natal, but it's got branches university of northwest university of limpopo university of venda and and also there's work that is being done by university of Fristed. so what we are doing out of those partnership with those universities when this product has been found they go and do trials of it to see the impact can it be so that we don't take products that are harmful to people and prove so that clinical trials helps us to be able to say this is a product that has been tested this is a product that has been certified because we want to make sure whatever we support and the products that come yes we shouldn't take for granted that there will be those who say they know something mm. about indigenous knowledge they know about plants whereas they don't know so there is that process to be able to verify and make sure that the products that are registered and put in the market have been tested and how do you think this will stimulate especially in these particular uh, communities I'm sure there are economic benefits to making sure that you formalize and structure uh, this type of trade. They are actually quite huge benefits. I mean, you look at the work that has been done in agro-processing around Moringa. Mm. You'd see that firstly you create jobs. Mm. 
in, in, in that community because you'd have either it's uh, mothers who've been sitting at home not doing anything but no have knowledge about Moringa who starts working. So you are able to have those projects that are within the communities that stimulates economic activities. With those starting to work, selling this thing into the community, you are creating a hub because as you sell it, you probably have somebody who will transport it for you as the people who are there. So you employ, it becomes a value chain. Change, change. So if we have quite a number of them, and that's what we want to do. We're currently supporting about 30 of them across the country. We want to see it growing. Obviously, we'll need more funds for it. But if we can be able to drive this project properly around indigenous knowledge, imagine what it can do in various communities where this knowledge is sitting, is not explored, and communities can start value chain. I mean, you can create industries out of this. If you are able, for example, the product that there is being done by with the University of Free State of T, I mean, they are now saying they have markets across the globe outside South Africa. Now it means that you can end up with a factory sure. because you are now going to be able to produce and deliver for global markets. So with that, then you know you have created jobs. I mean, somebody is going to have to be helping with cleaning. Somebody is going to be helping with registering the people who want the product. So you're creating a whole lot of jobs that are on, not only those who are producing the product itself. And finally, Minister, so... When can we expect the enactment of this bill? What process is in currently? We're waiting for the president to sign. It has been done by the, by Parliament, um, the whole of Parliament by end of um, I think end of August. If I, no September by the 13th, the issue will pass it. So we're hoping that the president will sign it into law quite soon, so that we can start. We're looking to implement our bill together with our white paper by early next year. But a lot of things we are not waiting for the bill. We're starting to implement them. The issues around establishment of the offices. I think what will happen immediately after the bill is the registration process of the um, the practitioners. So by next year, we're hoping that we'll be able to roll out at the beginning of the next year. We'll roll out the processes quite fast and right. be able to help our communities. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Minister, for giving us your time. And I hope that the conference continues to go well for you. And uh, good luck with uh, this entire big process, because I'm sure it's going to be a big, big project that you will be undertaking. Definitely. And I'm calling for all the listeners I mean, across the country, those who are practitioners around indigenous knowledge, those who have knowledge around indigenous knowledge system say, look, this is an opportunity. This is your government is bringing to you. Fantastic. That is uh, the Minister of Science and Technology, uh, Mamoloko Kubai Ngubane, speaking to us right here at the 2018 Indigenous Knowledge Systems International Conference, where we are uh, hosting uh, this live uh, conference taking place right here at Protea Fire and Ice Hotel. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with more guests. <laughs> This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. 
Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize it's just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we're on different platforms on shortwave into sub-Saharan Africa. And if you're listening to us in uh, SADC countries, you have access to the DSTV Bouquet Channel 802. Thank you for joining us on that platform as well. Remember, especially you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. As I mentioned, we are at the 2018 Indigenous Knowledge Systems International Conference. This is a conference that aims to actually make sure that there's legal protection and management systems of indigenous knowledge. That's actually the theme of the conference, discussing ways of legal protection around indigenous knowledge. We've heard already from the Minister of Science and Technology. Now joining us in our outside broadcast, we have Professor Yona Selet, who's the Chief Director for Indigenous Knowledge Systems uh, at the DST and Professor Philip Ia at the IKS Center at the North. West University. Thank you both for giving us your time, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Uh, let me Good start morning. with Let Thank me start you. with you, Professor Silet, in terms of where we are right now in South Africa, in terms of this bill that the minister has been talking about, formalizing the legal protection of indigenous knowledge. What's the work of the Northwest uh, University been in that particular process? I know you guys have been involved in this particular process since 2004. Tell us a little bit about. Well, we've had a relationship with the Northwest University during the Department of Arts and Culture, Science and Technology. So it goes a long way. And this process was actually initiated by the Portfolio Committee, who thought that indigenous knowledge needed to have a currency in higher education. So they approached Northwest Matthew King and organized the first conference. And since then, we've had uh, this together. As you know, uh, issues of policies are driven by governments. So in that sense, the Northwest is a support in public awareness to make sure that the society understands. So they've been involved in the IKS Expos and they've also been involved in the conferences as partners. So to that extent, we have looked to them to assist us to reach out in the message but also we need to produce a new generation of sure. people that will be protecting indigenous knowledge from a knowledge base so we introduced the BIKS and within that BIKS there are elements of a protection of indigenous knowledge so we are creating that link from uh, the people that will be workers in the field to be able to have the skills so yeah it's a good it's, it's been a worthwhile relationship and we hope we take it to higher levels 
coming to you, Professor Ia, how important is it? I mean, it's about time, isn't it, where Africans actually protect their own knowledge systems. Right. And um, in terms of that, it's taken us a long while, but how important is this process, especially the legal frameworks around these processes of protecting uh, these knowledge systems? Um, good morning, and thanks for inviting me to participate in this uh, wonderful interview. Very informative interview, particularly for our brothers and sisters who are listening. Um, coming to your question of protecting business knowledge, personally, I take it very, very seriously. And because I'm a lawyer, and because this is a legal issue, it has been given serious uh, consideration both by the department and by our university and it has to be taken within the context of the uh, intellectual property regime or protection regime that we have been coming through the regime we have been operating under is generally known as the eurocentric regime and if you look at the history of that you know they now create the modern uh, ways of doing things but uh, if you look at it it started from the Greeks it started from you know uh, the Romans and so on until developed up what they call now the modern technology modern science but if you look at the African way of protecting their own system of knowledge it is time memorial it has been with the Africans and it is based on their own values it is based on their own culture is based on their own practices on their own beliefs and these were known throughout what we call the indigenous laws and uh, these are the kind of things that we want to protect using our own indigenous ways of practice of course things have changed but it doesn't mean that we should ignore like the minister was saying, you should just call this primitive, all this, so on. Time has come, and that's why the, the African Renaissance has been coming forth. And that's why even, even, even Tabumbeki, when he was reducing the South African Constitution, he said, I am an African, and time has come now for us to assert our values and to assert our ways of doing things, our beliefs, and so on. It is in that context we give a lot of importance to the protection of IKS in terms of the knowledge and in terms of what it can do for our people. You know, also the question that I wanted to ask earlier on, I didn't have enough time uh, to ask this um, to the minister, but indigenous knowledge is also not restricted to health. It's, it's very broad. You yeah. speak about commerce, you speak about the court systems, mm. you speak about parliamentary structures. How far can this actually help in making sure that traditional leaders, indigenous communities can actually be more involved in all these different spaces of uh, social life? We, we have taken um, a bit of um, care in the phrase of the bill. It says the protection, promotion, development and management of indigenous knowledge. So the aspect that you're referring to would put it at the level of development. Indigenous knowledge is dynamic and evolving. So we can't look it up and say this is where it was. In, in doing that, we have identified 16 disciplines in which indigenous knowledge fits in at the moment. 
So in, in terms of where we are seeing these activities, there's been a lot of bio, biological sciences, but there's also a lot of law. There's also a lot of agriculture. The Department of Agriculture has got programs in there. So we are now looking at the focusing on commerce. So the Department of Trade and Industry was actually the first one to come up with the uh, amendment of intellectual property rights laws. IPA, that's a, a law which was passed in, in 2013. And the reason they did what, that was to make sure that we now enable uh, indigenous knowledge to be acknowledged within the conventional system of IP so that people can commercialize it. Now, what this indigenous knowledge bill is doing is to fill in the gap. Okay. That bill did not give the right to the knowledge holders. Say you have the right to deny or accept in the use of your knowledge. You have the right to sue whoever builds knowledge. In that particular uh, uh, amendment act, which was driven by DTI, it's state parties that normally would seek that kind of info, but now we've gone direct to the knowledge orders. So these are important in order to make sure that the knowledge can develop in other areas. You've seen here, there is astronomy. Yes. There is a desk that's pro promoting astronomy. Sure. So in a square kilometer array, which is the latest and great, and great global science project, what role that indigenous knowledge play? So that's why those colleagues at Northwest who are doing astronomy are beginning to feed in. How do we feed into that understanding? So we're making sure that IKS does not get locked up in the past. Okay. It is part of the future. You know, it's part of the knowledge economy of the future. Another question from a legal perspective, because indigenous knowledge is so broad and it's very communal, mm. in terms of patenting, there is a danger that you could privatize a use of a certain methodology to a certain owner. How are you going to work around these issues, making sure that you don't really privatize communal um, knowledge? Very good question. And it's a question which, is, which has been a challenge sure. to researchers, been a challenge to government and so on because of the nature and characteristics of indigenous knowledge. Mm -hmm. Indigenous knowledge, by its very nature, is holistic. Yeah. Okay? Meaning, you know, it touches every aspect of human life. And uh, the, 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 the knowledge of holders and the knowledge of practitioners from time immemorial were using this holistic, without compartmentalizing and saying this is for, this for, for their holistic for their holistic livelihood and it is in context that we must be, and then another characteristic is that it was not individualized uh, it's communal in most in, in its essence and it is this is the second characteristic the first characteristic is already talked about you know um, how we are now beginning to to you know to use these IKS for developmental purposes and holistic developmental purposes, particularly when it comes to our rural indigenous peoples and so on. But the aspect which is really uh, uh, tasking the minds of how can we, as we try to modernize, because indigenous knowledge is, is, is developing as well. Sure. Now, how can we, that characteristic of the, the, the social, the communal aspect, 
how can we protect it? So it is easier to protect the individualistic, uh, um, the Western type, you know, the patents and sure, the copyrights sure. and all that. So it's easy to protect those. But when it comes to communal, it is a foreign area, situation, and that is where we are doing a lot of research, and it's where even the bill brings in beneficiation in terms of benefits, not for an individual, but it should be benefit for the community. And a lot of research has been done, for example, how you can use traditional leaders who are the, the custodians of that knowledge, and how they control the development for the benefit of the community. It's quite uh, an area. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. quite an yeah. area, but through, uh, a lot of work has been doing it. Yeah, maybe I could contribute to that. Sure. Yes. Within the IK bill, we had included the concept of a trustee. Right. Because this um, knowledge is passed on from generation to generation, so it's a question of trust, so that you can hold it for future generations. So, but when we went into public hearings in the communities, they said no, because you're talking about a trustee holding <coughs> this information on behalf of the community. We want it to be to reflect the collective nature. Sure. So we want to have a board of trustees okay. so that it goes beyond one person as the custodians and to safeguard this. So the law that is proposed has included now. When people have used indigenous knowledge and uh, they want to go for a patent, there is a provision that the trustees will then stand on behalf of the community in that application for a patent. So there is a beginning of a recognition of collective rights. But uh, we also participate in the World Intellectual Property uh, Organization where this, they're trying to get an international instrument and this is one of the critical elements which they do not understand because most Western intellectual property rights are individual. Now once you bring in the collective right, they do not understand it. They want you to prove how it will work before they can subscribe to that. So it remains a battlefield for future negotiations at international fora. But in the country we've taken care of and we've listened to the public who said we want a board of trustees rather than a trustee. And the current law that will go for signing includes the concept of a board of trustees. Fantastic. Very interesting. Can, can I just add one point? Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you see, in practical terms, mm. that has caused a lot of problems. You've heard of these cases in the Northwest. Yes, yes. You've heard of the cases in, um, in the Eastern Cape and so on, where people don't even trust their chiefs. They don't even trust their leaders. So uh, I'm happy this matter is being looked at because and then the other point, of course, is to bring the message over to the people, like you said, through the advocacy, through talking to the people, so, so that they can understand what it means when you talk about the trust, when you talk about the board of trustees and so forth. So it is a very good development. I'm going to end with this particular question, which I also pose to the minister in terms of mainstreaming indigenous knowledge. Most communities, as I mentioned, kind of have a soft um, seriousness towards indigenous knowledge because it's very ordinary, it's very everyday life, it's very much passed from one generation to the next generation. 
how do we make sure that this process is hastened in terms of making sure communities understand the wealth of their knowledge <coughs> systems? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent question and it's also a, a daunting question because the country is big. Yes. So what we did during the public awareness, we went around the country before the bill went into and began to engage with public awareness. Now, this cannot be a one-off. It needs to be part of a process. So we're hoping that uh, through other universities that work with us, and we've established what we call IKS documentation centers in every province, that they will also participate in spreading the news because as go to community to ask for their knowledge to be registered, they need to know what this is all about. But I think it's a huge campaign. It requires every government department that is involved. We know that uh, the Department of Health are doing their part with traditional healers, agriculture are doing their part, but we need to intervene largely on the education. If we can mainstream that as part of the primary school curricula, we'll have done quite well. Your, your, yeah. your, your final sentiment, Professor? Yeah. Right. I fully appreciate and acknowledge and support what you said. If I may just go a, a, a little a, a more. You see, that is where the universities come in. Uh, but the very mandate of universities, which is teaching, learning, research and community engagement. Now we think the best way to do is if our teaching and learning should be based on you know, what the communities understand and our research, even our methodologies of doing research are no longer based on you know, the Eurocentric scientific methodologies and so on. We want now to bring in our indigenous protocols in the way we do our research. Because this is also part of decolonizing education absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Mm. And more importantly, or most importantly, the community mm. In whatever we do, mm. we engage the community. We have several project, projects where we go to the community, we engage the community, and so on. That is part of the advocacy, that's part of the education, that's part of people coming to understand the status of IKS in their day-to-day -day life, in their day-to-day -day development and so forth. When you have time in future, one of the legs of the thing is the recognition of prior learning. Right. How do we give certificates to our Sangomas, sure. to our indigenous Sangomas, sure. to the guys that do the crafts? So a bill has a chapter on that. And, and to unpack that, we will need a little more time sure. because this is the way in which society will be mobilized into communities of practice. Yes. And the different practices, we use those communities of practices to spread the news. But let's leave that for one day. When you have time, please Definitely. get hold of us Definitely. and we'd like to share sure. that with you. Definitely, I think it deserves the second part. Yeah.
conversation because mm. I think it's very interesting, especially how it's going to structure itself in terms of the implementation. Exactly. So we'll deal with that in our next conversation. Indeed, yes. we'll take the business cards mm. and make sure that we continue this particular conversation. But that's how we're going to wrap it up right here at the 2018 Indigenous Knowledge Systems International Conference. Thank you to Professor Yona Saleti, who is the Chief Director for Indigenous Knowledge Systems at the uh, DST and Professor Philip Ia uh, of the IKS Center of the Northwest University. Thank you both for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Very much. Thank you very it. much. Well, I will relate your message to my 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 my, my vice chancellor and everybody sure. so that they know. Definitely, we'll we will stay in touch with the university because we want to stay in track of how this will unfold. But that's how we're going to wrap it up right here in Pretoria, and we're going to go back to our SABC Johannesburg studios. Thank you.